Hello, you're listening to the Sydney Writers Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name is Valerie Koo, and you can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre, and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips, and valuable ideas on how to get published. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story, or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Tom Rob Smith's latest novel is The Secret Speech. It is the second book to feature Detective Leo Demidov, who first appeared in Smith's debut novel, Child 44. Child 44 won huge acclaim when it was released in 2008. It was long-listed for the Man Booker Prize, won the 2008 Ian Fleming Steel Dagger Prize for Best Thriller, and was nominated for the Costa First Novel Award, formerly the Whitbread Awards. Film rights for the book have also been sold. Smith studied at Cambridge, graduating in 2001, then continued his creative writing studies in Italy. Before completing Child 44, he worked as a script writer. He has written a number of plays and also wrote for the BBC and in Cambodia on the country's first ever soap opera. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Uh, it's my pleasure to be with you. Now, your first novel, Child 44, was very well received and highly acclaimed. How did it feel to be so successful with your first outing? Well, of course, it was my first in terms of the first that had been published, but I'd been working on things for quite a quite a time, you know, either half-finished novels or various screenplays and um, and uh, TV shows. So it was, it you know, it wasn't completely out of the blue. So I don't think, um, you know, I don't think it was a kind of seismic shock. I wasn't doing a sort of another profession. I felt like it was kind of, it was it was part of what I'd always been working on. How did you get into writing in the first place? What attracted you to the profession of writing? Um, I've always loved stories. I think it was, you know, I, it was a mixture of, I didn't quite understand when I was at seven that I wanted to be a writer, but I knew I loved fiction. I knew I loved movies and I loved theatre and I loved TV and books. I didn't really distinguish between them in the sense, you know, I loved Roald Dahl, I loved the movies of Steven Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis. And and, uh, and then, you know, when I sort of got to 14 and 15, I thought, you know, how can I get into this world? And I guess I thought about directing, I guess I thought about other other avenues, but it was always writing that seemed to me the most, I don't know, the one that I fitted into neatly. And um, and I think it was, you know, really started from there. I think it was a story, story, love the story. So then after studying at Cambridge, you um, <clears throat> continued creative writing studies in Italy. So why Italy? Well, I didn't, it wasn't a creative writing course. What it was is it was a, um, it was an exchange. So that mm. the Italian University of Pavia could send three students to my university and um, my university could send one back for the entire year. And, and that was me for that year. And I had the option of doing anything I wanted to, basically. So it was essentially just giving that individual a year um, where, you know, you had a nice room, you had all your you know, food paid for, and then you could just use that time to do whatever you wanted. And people have done all kinds of things, academic pursuits, they've done musical pursuits. And for me, it was just a chance to start writing um, full time. So you went into script writing and then wrote Child 44. So what was the transition like 
when you because when you sit down you write a script it is much more self-contained and you do it in a shorter period of time was it hard to transition into writing an entire novel yeah that, that, i mean that, that's i think that's spot on one of the big differences i mean you can get a script done in a relatively compressed amount of time once you've worked out the story i mean you can get one again and i guess about two months and that's that's not that's not an ungenerous amount of time maybe a bit longer maybe a bit less and a book is a real is like climbing a mountain it took two years to get child 44 done and you know it's difficult if it's a speculative novel and you're not commissioned and you think you know is this even worth doing is it ever going to be published mm. there are times during you know when you have like everyone does you know bad days and bad weeks and you're thinking is this is this project worth pushing forward with whereas if the project is shorter you know that you're closer to the end so that's definitely one of the challenges i think of getting a novel done so how do you keep the faith in those two years especially as you say when you haven't been commissioned well, I think an important part of it is, and I just did this workshop in Melbourne Writers Festival on this, you know, pretty much on this subject, was really work out your idea at the beginning, really think it through so that you really believe in it. And with Childhood Forever, I always knew this was a great idea and this was an interesting period. And whenever I had tough times, I could, you know, I knew that this was a book that I wanted to finish and would really work. And so I think that early preparation, really sort of working on the story and understanding what the book would be. Um, was the sort of the remedy for those tough days. Now, your latest novel is The Secret Speech. Tell us about it. Yeah, it is the same um, main character. And at the end of Childhood, he, he, this, this, this is a detective who has, has sort of spent his career arresting innocent people. And in Child 44, he decides to redeem himself by going after the one guilty person who, in fact, is protected by the state. And so he sort of criminalizes himself by doing the right thing. He thinks that by putting his life on the line that way, he kind of redeems himself. In the second book, it's really about that question of how redemption, is redemption really possible? If you've arrested all these innocent people, what what value is it to say to them that you've, you've done this good thing? I mean, how does that prepare their destroyed lives? And it's set against the backdrop of a, a regime that has Stalin is now dead and Khrushchev's in power. And Khrushchev is releasing the people from the gulags, and they're coming back into society and meeting the people that denounced them, meeting the people that arrested them and that destroyed their lives. That's really set against the backdrop of that very fractious tension. So why did you choose to set your books in 1950s Russia? What what appealed to you about that? Well, the original story that Child 44 is based on, um, uh, rather the original case that was based on set in Russia, and it was very particularly Russian in the sense that it was... It was a, a killer who had killed for 10 years because not he got away with it for so long, not because he was a kind of criminal genius, but because the state denied that he could even exist. And so the story and the location were sort of inextricable. I mean, my decision to move it back to the 50s was just that the 50s were far more extreme. So the things that the case um, embodied, like the um, the way in which a state would criminalize you if you disagreed with it, were more um, more extreme in the 50s. That was why I moved it back to then. Um, but the country, and it never crossed my mind to set it anywhere else. I mean, the story and the country were sort of bound together. How did you research Russia in the 1950s? What did you do? Well, oh, in the 50s. Well, I mean, there was obviously travel. But, I mean, I would I would say far and above the travel was was just the the, um, the books. Um, obviously, the history books are wonderful, brilliantly written. And um, they're wonderful. Never a chore. Uh, never. I don't think I came across a single book that I found. Um, sort of awkward or uninteresting, mm. and um, then there were also there's a sort of wealth of um, 
secret material that was sort of confiscated by the secret, sort of irony, the secret police confiscated all these diaries that probably would have been lost um, and were never intended for publication, and particularly one by a 13-year-old girl. Mm. And then, you know, they've just been reproduced now, so you can, you know, you can read this girl's diary and you know, suddenly you're sort of in her world in 1930, in 1930, I think it was like before she, her diary was confiscated and it even includes all the sort of annotations that the secret police made on the diary of what was anti-Soviet and what wasn't. So there was a lot of material there to sort of get you into that world. And I just concentrated on the emotional questions rather than, say, the material details. Right. So when you plan your story, do you are you one of those writers that actually plot it out? You're very clear what's going to happen to your characters, or do you let it flow out? No, I plan. I mean, that's, I mean, in a way, that was one of the reasons I knew I could finish the book because I kind of knew what the whole story was and I knew it had a, it knew it had a whole shape. I mean, I definitely plan in some detail, but of course, even, um, you know, even if I spent say two months on a storyline, which is you know a reasonable amount of time on a storyline, but not an extreme amount of time. I've heard writers that spend far more. Um, even then, obviously, compared to two years on a book, you're going to come up with new ideas and it's going to change and it's going to adapt and. There's always improvisation and, and shifts along the way. I think it's just good to have a general sense of the direction it's going, even if you decide to change direction. It, it's good to know that you're you're deliberately doing that and there was a different endpoint. So um, I plan quite carefully, yeah. Did the secret speech also take you two years? Yeah, it took two Exactly. I mean, the, the thing about the secret speech was that I, I started it once I... Um, once I sold Chart 44, which was a year before it was published, although it looks like it only took a year because it came out a year after the Chart 44 was published. In fact, it was a two-year, two-year writing period. And also because I, you know, when I wrote Chart 44, I didn't have, uh, I wasn't getting any money from writing Chart 44. I had to do other jobs, so I had to sort of share the time with um, other writing projects, working on other people's shows. Whereas with the Secret Speech, those two years were. You know, I, I, I just worked on the secret speech. Are you writing your third novel now? Yeah, I'm taking a bit of a break. I'm doing two screenplays, one for Warner Brothers and one for Universal, just as a sort of gear shift after doing those two novels back to back. But um, yeah, I'm sort of a, a third of the way through the third book. So tell us about your typical writing day. When you're in the middle of writing a novel, do you have a routine or structure to your day or how does that work? Yeah, no, I'm pretty routine. I, I get up quite early. I like writing in the sort of early morning. I get up at maybe 6.30 and I start writing maybe about 6.35, And, uh, you know, I work through to midday and then I'll go for a walk, have lunch, and then I'll sort of work through to about 7. I very rarely work in the evening. Sometimes I do, I guess. That's a long day. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it is quite long. I mean, it never feels particularly, you know, arduous because, um, you know, you can sort of potter around and make cups of tea and you know, have anyone shout at you. I mean, you know, as long as you're good at maintaining that discipline, I don't think it, it, it doesn't ever feel like it's a tough routine to keep in a way. Do you have a word quota or how do you feel satisfied that you've done a good day's work? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question in a sense. I mean, you do kind of have quotas, but I couldn't, you know, it's not like it's not like the sort of famous 500 words a day kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's more like you know where you need to be getting by, say, the end of the week or the end of the month. And so, you know, some days you're pushing forward a bit further because you, you feel that you feel that you're kind of behind and some days you're dragging a bit. I mean, those are, are flexible to an extent, but it's more you build them in terms of points in the book or points in the screenplay that you need to get to. Now, I understand you did some work in Cambodia, is that correct? Yeah, I worked on Cambodia's first ever soap opera. Was it in Khmer? 
Yeah, it was. I mean, I worked on the storylines, so I worked on those in English, and then I had a a team of um, uh, Cambodian writers, and they were just out of university, and they um, would write the screenplays in uh, the the tele screenplays in um, in Khmer. And we would then have them translated, and I would sort of work with give notes on those and the notes it was a weird sort of a weird sort of triangle you had a sort of a, a sort of english to come here through through the sort of translator it was i mean the whole thing was 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 amazing um and i've never worked on anything quite like it how did you get involved in that that's quite well, the, unusual yeah the bbc uh set up have a sort of charitable arm called the bbc world service trust which is funded by DFID, which is the department of international development in england and they um and um, they make these shows uh, sort of around the world, and they're trying to. The idea is that you use the popularity of the medium to get across health messages about either mother-child healthcare or HIV/AIDS or a whole range, which vary a whole range of topics, which varied obviously on the location and what was important, whether you know it might be the malaria area or it might not be. And so um, you know you would then build those health messages into the sort of story of the day. And um, I think that. You know, because it was a BBC, I think I saw an ad in a in a in a newspaper or a sort of trade paper, and I just applied for it. Wow! How long did you spend there? I was in Phnom Penh for six months. Wow! Did you get to do much writing at the time, or did your time there influence any of your work projects? Well, I did start on a screenplay. I started on a screenplay, um, which I then sold to Universal studios after I sold Child 44. So it was this weird sort of, no one really wanted it until, or I couldn't get anyone to read it basically until I sold Child 44. Then I can get people to read it and then I sold it. So I actually started on that project in Cambodia. Right. And what is that about? That's a original thriller set in the States and it's a, it's a revenge thriller, but um, with a sort of big twist. Mm. And um, I understand that film rights to Child 44 have also been sold. Um, are you going to be writing the screenplay for that? No, the screenplay was written by uh, has been written. It's been written by Richard Price, who uh, wrote Lush Life and uh, Clockers, um, and uh, it's a brilliant script. I just read it actually a couple of months ago. Is that yeah. weird? Because you write scripts yourself, and is that weird to see something that you've written then sort of being redone by someone else in another? Medium. Well, I mean, in a way, even if I'd written the script, it would have been weird because it was it's been changing something into something else. And that process is always a strange thing if you understand it in one form to see it in a different form. Um, so it's, it would have been weird in some form of whoever had written the script, whether it had been me or not. I mean, the fact that it's a great writer writing the script obviously makes it um, sort of exciting rather than sort of bad weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in some ways you need distance to make that, that transformation. I mean, obviously there are lots of writers who are able to do it themselves, but it's a difficult thing to do. Um, and so it was never really, never really, never really an issue. Is there any actor in particular who you would see in the lead role? Oh, uh, yeah, there are a couple. I mean, I can't go into sort of speculating because, I mean, mm-hmm. if they then cast someone else, it looks like I'm <laughs> opposed to that person. But, I mean, in some ways, um, the great thing about having Ridley Scott as um, the director and the producer is that is that he's a brilliant caster and he picks people and you suddenly think, wow, yeah, that person would be great in that role. Mm. What's been the highlight of your career so far? Highlight of my career? Mm. I guess, you know, the... F- it's, it's hard to pin it down, but I guess that first moment when 
you know, you'd sent the book off and you were sort of, I remember sending it off and I had this, I had this self-defense mechanism, which is I always start working on something else as soon as I send something off because mm. I was just, you know, you need to sort of brace yourself for the possibility that it's going to be rejected. And I remember very clearly the sort of the first sort of sale to the UK when I got to get published. And that was a really great moment. And then when it sold in the US, that was a really great moment. And then when it started selling internationally as well, which was something I just never thought about. I don't know why. Right. Um, that was a really wonderful moment. So I guess that was that was the high. What's been the most challenging thing about your career so far? Or what is the most challenging thing about being a writer? What's challenging? I guess, well, you know, it's not for everyone, I guess, but then nor is anything. I mean... I don't particularly, I guess it's, I don't particularly find any, I mean, I love writing. I love the routine. It, it, it sort of fits with my personality, I guess. I like, I like kind of working for myself. I like structuring my own day. All of those things which could be difficult for people are kind of a, kind of a nice fit for me. So none of it has ever been, you know, I would never sort of see anything as being particularly arduous about it. There's obviously a fair bit of research, especially when something is set in Russia in another historical period, and you've mentioned some of the research that you've done. Do you do all the research first, and then when you feel you have what you need, you start writing, or do you write and then fill in the gaps with research? It's a bit of both. I do like a good chunk to start off with, so that I'm sort of, I'm not completely clueless, basically. Mm. But then obviously, research is an endless process, I mean, you could read forever on these subjects and so you continue reading you learn new things and in a way that's part of the fun because it reinvigorates passages that you've you've done and you see new things that you can work in and uh you go back and you rewrite and you so it's a it's a constant process and finally what would your advice be to aspiring authors people who are listening to this and thinking oh i really want to get my book out there well i would say you know going back to our, you know, the thing we were talking about earlier i would say really work on that idea before you set off on it, really think it through. Is this is this the idea you want to work on for the next sort of year, year and a half, two years? Is this the project you really believe in? Because so many people out there get to chapter four or five and then stop. Mm. And in the end, you can't do anything with that. You can't send it off to a publisher, really. It's very difficult to get anyone interested in five chapters. Mm. But finishing something, is, or even if it gets rejected, you will get people to have read it, you will get feedback. I just think finishing something is the key. And on that note, thank you very much for your time today, Tom. Nice being to you. You've been listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo. You can find us online, including details about our courses, seminars and online learning, as well as information on our regular competitions where you can win books, movie tickets and literary experiences at www.sydneywriterscentre.com.au or visit me on my personal website, www.valeriekoo.com. That's valeriekoo, K-H-O-O.com. Thank you for listening.